Hello and welcome to today's episode of Learn From A Stranger. Today's guest is Mara Salem and she's from Kuwait. Kuwait is a GCC country. Uh, GCC stands for Gulf Cooperation Council and it's a political and economic union of Arab states bordering the Gulf. Um, it is established in 1981 and has six members, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, Kuwait and Bahrain. Kuwait is located in the Persian Gulf and uh, the Kuwait city is the main city and people living in Kuwait are called Kuwaitis. It's four million people are living there and 30% of those people are actually citizens. 70% of the people living in Kuwait are not. They're mostly Arabs, Asians and like 3% of them are other expats like Europeans and Africans. Kuwait is a monarchy and has very, very free religion laws. The funniest thing I found about Kuwait was robot camel races. They usually used kids to race those camels, but it's not allowed anymore. So now they use actual tiny little robots. I will put a picture of that on the blog. It's hilarious. It's really, really funny. So, um, hi, Mara. Hi. My first question to you would be, have you ever been a camel race kid? No, I've never been. I've actually never even heard about this before. So you just taught me something new about my... <laughs> yeah, you just taught me something new about my own country. <laughs> Oh, maybe it's just one of those like hilarious fake memes that actually don't exist. That could be. Maybe, maybe I found a meme. <laughs> maybe, or maybe it existed a while yeah. ago. Oh yeah, that could be. But it's it's actually robots. Like it's these tiny little robots that uh, sit on top of the camels, and <laughs> it looks really, really funny. It's like this blocks, uh, metal blocks sitting on a camel. Um, I'm curious to see this now. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will put a picture on a block, and then you will you will find it. <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention about Kuwait is Kuwait is loaded. It's one of the richest countries in the world. It's actually, some years, it is the richest country of the world. And that's not just, but also due to the world supply of oil. There's, they have like 7% of the world supply of oil in, in Kuwait. Um, but it's, it's not the only reason why Kuwait is so rich. So it's also keeping, keeping its standards very high. And Kuwait also doesn't have any tax for working tax like when you work an hour you don't actually pay taxes for it you just pay taxes for consuming and, and other things so that's also very interesting kuwait has no permanent water body like there's no water anywhere to be found there's no lakes there's no river there's just ocean that is true. and also the drinking water actually gets gained from the ocean it's it's not an ocean it's a gulf arabian gulf yeah but that's the only source of water that we have Yeah, it's unbelievable for me. I, I come from Austria, where there's like water everywhere. Of course. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mara and I, we met, we met online like an, a year and a half ago. And I remember you so well. And the, the first time where we started talking, because I found it so extremely funny. It was uh, you came from, from uh, Kuwait and you moved to the UK. Like you're a world mm -hmm. traveler. I think it's fair to say you traveled the entire world. You've been everywhere. I mean, I wouldn't say everywhere, but I, I've been to a couple of places. Uh, I was fortunate. To... Yeah, you traveled so much more than most people I know. And you moved to the to the UK as a student. Uh, and yes. you told me the story that you just moved there and you were actually still living in a hotel when I, when I met you and trying to find a place because yeah. you had to be 18 in order to rent. Exactly. And you said, my legs hurt. <laughs> I'm surprised you still remember that. This was like a year and a half ago. I barely even remember. It's impressive. It's it's all I know about Kuwait, and and I ask like, why do your legs hurt? Just just tell the story. It's 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 really interesting, actually. So uh, when I first moved to the UK, 
I wasn't used to walking that much because here in Kuwait, it's it's very hot um, and people almost never walk. We just drive everywhere. So when I first moved to the UK, I had to walk a lot more than I expected. I would walk every day, every single day to the university and back and, and, and my legs w- were hurting me. And I mean that this was like proper exercise for me. And it's just walking. <laughs> yeah, I laughed so much because the first time you told me that it was you really just went to the supermarket and back. <laughs> and you're like, I can't stand it anymore. I'm walking so much. My legs kill me. And I'm like, how far away is the supermarket? And I'm like, oh, five minutes away. <laughs> I was like, which is so funny. And I didn't hear you complaining about it any uh, anytime after that. So I think you got used to it, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was starting to get used to it. It was just for me so unbelievable funny because that's not a reality I ever met. Yeah. Why would you never walk? And you're like, it's too warm. And me coming from Norway, freezing to death and hating the cold and just like wishing myself to warmth and summer and sun. And you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about, woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's warm, too warm. It's a thing like too warm. And I, I just didn't believe you <laughs> until you told me it's too warm to walk. The other thing is that we're actually lazy in Kuwait. Uh, most people are lazy, unfortunately. Uh, we're not used to walking. So even in, in the winter time, it's winter now and the weather is really good, actually. It's about 20 degrees Celsius right now. Um, but I don't really see people walking down the streets that much. Not not like the UK, that's for sure. Did you get a habit out of it? Are you outside walking? No, honestly. When I'm in Kuwait, I really barely get any exercise. Um, but hopefully that now I'm, I'm off school and I have about three weeks off. Uh, so I'm going to try to get a bit more exercise, I hope. I always say that and then I end up sleeping for most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that said, you're like 19, you're allowed to. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. So what do you study? I am currently studying medicine in Glasgow and this is my first year of medical school. When uh, Corona came in March, we actually both plans to travel for Easter uh, in our in our home countries. Yeah. And I remember that we, we happened to be quarantined at the same time. So I traveled back from Austria to Norway and I had to go in quarantine, obviously. And you were trying, first of all, you were trying to go back from the UK, which, mm-hmm. which was kind of troublesome. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, um, Kuwait's airport was closed in March and I was on a student's visa. I was on a child's student's visa and uh, then I, when I turned 18, I had to apply for a new type of visa. And the only place where you can do that is from your home country. So I was trying to get back to Kuwait, but I couldn't because the airport was closed. But then I eventually, uh, I, I contacted the embassy and they sent me to Dubai. I was quarantined there for about a month and a half, maybe. Well, I, I wasn't quarantined for the whole time when I was in Dubai, uh, but I'm, I stayed there for about a month and a half. And I remember the pictures. You were like, we we share, we are we are together on a Discord channel, so yeah. we share like it's basically like a small Instagram there. Like we share our food pictures, and uh, I'm ash- I'm ashamed to All admit we share a lot of food pictures and <laughs> and what we do. And you shared so many pictures of oh, I'm in Dubai, and it's super luxurious hotel for free, uh, <laughs> and you traveled. You had a few a few cousins and friends with you at the time, and yeah, like, I had my friends with me. Looked up penguins. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm really surprised you remember that. You have a good memory, to be honest. Usually when I tell people stories... <laughs> Because like we that, all were so jealous. We were also jealous. <laughs> you were like, oh, I'm co I have to wait in this luxurious hotel. Oh, my God. <laughs> on vacation with my friends. And you, you showed all these amazing pictures of Dubai. And you were sightseeing and everything was really cool. And then it changed really quickly where you were like in super lockdown. Yeah, and I was quarantined <laughs> by myself. It was It was horrible. Um, I remember that you told us you sat in the hotel room by yourself. Oh yeah, and just like brought you food and stuff. And yeah. every other day you were allowed to go outside, and they came and sterilized the hallways. Yes, yes, that is true. Um, we had to stay in our rooms for uh, a while, and being stuck in a room, like not even an apartment by yourself, that's really depressing. Um, but I'm glad that mm -hmm. they didn't do that for very long and I got to meet my friends in the hotel after a couple of days so it, it was good I would have gone crazy yeah. honestly uh, it's, it sounds like prison yes it definitely it was prison yeah in a way yeah of course yeah luxury prison <laughs> <laughs> because I, I remember the pictures you sent it was like this really delicious um, like it, just as a hotel does it really right like you get yeah. these nice meals some nice plates and And you had your, your VR headset with you, so you could ex escape a little bit the reality exactly. uh, by being and, in virtual reality. But yeah, the food, that was probably the most enjoyable part. And as I'm sure you know by now, I love food, and that was the most enjoyable part for me. <laughs> yeah, you're foodies, both of us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, I, also, I also remember that we talked a lot about, uh, after that, you, you went back to Kuwait. Yes. I remember it was so hard for me to understand the, the differences in like how, as we're in this group of people that come from so many different countries, we talked a lot mm -hmm. about how is the lockdown for you? Because that was in March, like the entire world was basically in a lockdown somewhere between March and May. Everybody told the stories on how the US do it and how the UK do it and how other European countries do it. And I always found it very different than how Kuwait does it. Because you you were uh, after you were in the lock so in in this hotel for like one and a half months you came back to the country and then you got like a, a GPS tracker. Um, it was a bracelet that you connect to your phone, and what it does basically is that if um, someone was infected by COVID, they can track people who were traveling through that bracelet and know um, like where th that person got the. Uh, virus from and it does have a gps tracker so that if you leave home they can know that you're you broke the quarantine um so did, did everybody get a gps tracker you have the option to be quarantined in a hotel or a chalet or if you want to be quarantined at your home that's fine but then you have to wear that bracelet if you're quarantined at home because they can't um they can't make sure that you don't break the quarantine but that was only um, back then, now they really they're not as strict with the um, rules. And quarantine then was 28 days, and I think now it's only for like seven days. So it's, That's a, it's huge a lot difference. different. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and you also told us, and that, that I think that impressed me the most. It was like you had the bracelet, the GPS tracked you, and still once a day somebody came by the house to check through the window if you're actually home. So uh, it, they wouldn't like come by the house to check if you're home every day, but they would ask you to take a selfie through that application on your phone and they can track the where the selfie was taken from. Because what some people were doing is that they were taking off the bracelets and just like putting them 
on their uh, in, leaving them in their house and then leaving the house. Um, but this way, when they ask you to take a picture through your phone, then they would be able to know if if the picture was taken in your house, close to the bracelet, or outside of your house. If that makes mm. sense. Oh, I see. Yeah, it yeah, makes sense. It was just very extreme. It was a really yeah strong control control mechanism they put in place, which really is was very different from what I knew from other places. Yes, so it was uh, very intense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's so different now. So, want to tell me something about the the educational system in Kuwait and how it is different or alike the other system you know which is the the education system in the UK um so the major difference is that in kuwait education is completely for free and by that i mean even when you're a university uh, whether you were an undergraduate or a postgraduate student your fees are going to be covered by the government um and as you know i i'm a student in the uk so i'm studying abroad and my government still pays for my fees they give me uh like a monthly allowance for my expenses so i think that's like a privilege from being a uh kuwaiti your parents give you the allowance or the no, no, country the does the government does yeah the government so oh, you're totally independent when you graduate from high school uh that's the main difference i would say but um, British universities are ranked much, much higher than Kuwait's university. And that's, I think, is based on like research, that, the research that's held in the UK, uh, which is much more popular and much more efficient than the research that's held in, in Kuwait's university. So yeah, the UK, they do have better universities, but I would say Kuwait, they provide uh, more opportunities for their citizens to go abroad and get educated abroad and, and they like they would cover everything so they would make it very easy and comfortable for you oh that sounds great that sounds like a dream come true yeah and you never have to pay it back like i know in other countries you can get a scholarship or you can get your your fees covered by the government but then at some point once you start working you have to pay the money back uh but that's not the case it's actually very like in austria in austria um you also like they changed it all few years, the, how much it is and what the rules are exactly. But in the end, everything is free. And the second you start studying, you get a st stipendium. And it's not very much if you're like 19. Then you just get a few hundred euros. Mm -hmm. and But it, it is money that will allow you to support yourself yeah. to a certain point. Like you might have to work a bit next to it, but that you get like great. a cheap room somewhere. Mm. And we have a second rule, which which is really awesome, which is if you worked at least for four years uh, and you have like after you finished school you have probably taken like a practical education or you just work for a few years and then you decide that hey I want to study I want to actually get uh, uh, more education you will get a really high stipend so you will actually be able to support uh, yourself even if you live already in a flat and you already have mm -hmm. a car and you know you will you will not be rich you will still you know probably need some savings and you probably still need some extra small job on the side, but you will actually be able to support yourself. And I actually did that while I, I was a single mom and I could, I came by just fine. Like I wasn't rich, but I came by fine. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Uh, so that was really great. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, well, in Kuwait, I don't think students are allowed to work. Uh, so you're either a student or you're an employee. You can't be both at the same time. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure why they do this. Especially the region come from, which is called Upper Austria. It's um, 
there's a lot of big companies, industry, and it's very normal that people work next to their studies, just either part-time. We are lucky. We came from countries that actually really supported our education much more than yeah. we probably appreciated it at the time. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. And I have to say, I'm lucky to be born uh, when I was born because I know that in Kuwait a long time ago, education was not nearly as important or nearly as supported. Uh, so I'm also lucky to be born in, in the 2000s, I believe. God, you're young. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you did! You just did your driving license, didn't you? How did that go? I did. I did take my driving license, but I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I suck at driving. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have to to start practicing because I don't think I can drive properly without causing an accident. So. <laughs> but did you make it? Like, are you allowed to drive alone now? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I mean, I took my license a while back now. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I didn't really do much. The exam was very easy. They were just like, um, can you park the car? And it was right in front of me. It took me like five minutes and, and that was it. And there was no one. It was like an empty place, empty parking lot. So, and they just gave me the license. Oh, really? Are you allowed to drive in Europe? Um, yeah, I think I am for three months and then I can't. When we would go to Europe, my father would always drive and... I mean, using his Kuwaiti license. Mm. I'm just uh, wondering, like, I see a picture of you with your uh, amazing driving skills and practice <laughs> and uh, the amazing test you had. Uh, driving on the other side of the road in London. Oh, my God. <laughs> in a big traffic jam. <laughs> okay. So as a student, I need to have a British license. I can't drive using my Kuwaiti license. But if I'm in the UK as a tourist, then it's different. Okay, mm, interesting. I didn't know about that rule. Yeah. Do you actually have an idea when you can go back to to uh, to Britain when it's possible to travel again? Why well, I any, can go back. I can go back now if I wanted to, but all of my classes are online, so there's no point. Um, I'm just staying here with my family. Uh, but hopefully September 2021. Um, that's when the classes are going to be back on campus, and that's when the students are going to be going back to. Uh, the university. So fingers crossed this pandemic is over. I really hope so. I really hope that you will get a doctor eventually. And I really hope you will have some actual hands-on education oh, before you're allowed to practice patients. <laughs> so so uh, students who are in their advanced years who are studying medicine in our university now, they they have to go to the UK and they still do their practical, uh, their their clinical visits. Uh, so it's just students in the first and second year who have all of their classes online. How is it to study online? Did you get used to it? I, I did get used to it. Uh, it's it's easier in some ways, but it's more difficult in other ways. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to stay motivated because you have all these lectures that are pre-recorded, downloaded on a website, basically. You can watch them whenever you want to. Um, and I have to admit, it's it's very easy to watch a lecture when you're in bed, laying down, and then just like fall asleep. And then two hours later, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> what what did I do? <laughs> you really should have like an audience where everybody has to have the camera on and you follow a live lecture. That would probably help to motivate a bit. But it's very difficult because there's so many students and we're definitely going to have technical 
problems if we do that. Everyone turns their camera on. That's true. I just see that at work. At work, like it's really, really nice uh, when you actually turn on the camera and everybody says hi and you have like a meeting every day and it really helps to stay motivated because then you feel like you're together. You're actually a team. Yeah. So we have um, uh, we have virtual labs and in our virtual labs, we're divided into smaller groups uh, around 10 students. And whenever you have a meeting with your group, that's when you can turn your camera on and, and your microphone on. Uh, but we do these meetings maybe once every two weeks, so not very often. That's got to be a big change for you to go back at university with like hundreds and hundreds of people. And... Definitely, <laughs> definitely. But I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's the hardest to have the social distancing for young people. I couldn't have imagined it from for me. I needed so much partying and just being together. And it doesn't even always have to be a party, but just, sometimes it was just like this sitting on a couch watching TV together for a whole weekend. Of course. <laughs> well, I'm glad that. we don't have to quarantine ourselves anymore in Kuwait. So I do get to hang out with my cousins and my friends and go out and enjoy life. And hopefully we don't get um, quarantined again. Really hope so. You don't have to social distance yourself in Kuwait at the moment? Uh, you do, technically, when you're uh, going out. But when you're having like a gathering at home, they can't really know what you're doing at home. And, and most people do that. They ha they'd have like gathering, break the rules. Um, but even if you're going out, I think you're allowed to be in smaller groups. So five, six people, but not like 20 people together. Mm. Is, is that curfew? No, there's no curfew anymore. A lot of countries do. We, we don't have curfews either at the moment. Um, but I know that uh, very many um, European countries have like the closed down at six, seven, eight, something like that. And then people are not allowed to go can. outside anymore. Except they have curfews too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I didn't know that. No. Uh, not curfews, but uh, they went on lockdown. I don't, I think they're still on lockdown in some areas in the UK. Yeah, Germany also start, started lockdown. Austria just came out of one and it's going to continue for a while until the vaccine is um, yeah. widely spread. You have actually, thinking back of the early 2020 and summer 2020, I remember another story from you that really, you've, you have had an unlucky time. You were, uh, you left for Easter vacation, or it's what you think you left for. That was like, that was the plan, right? And yeah. Ever since you didn't go back to the UK. So you left for a much longer time than planned and you just went into this new flat uh, you moved into a new flat and what happened to your stuff <laughs> oh don't don't <laughs> remind me <laughs> um so i had an apartment uh in in back in leeds that was and i was hoping that i would be able to go back after easter break uh but i couldn't go back because covid was getting worse and worse um, so what I did is that I called the uh, landlord and I said that when my quarant not quarantine <laughs> when my contract ends in in September I won't be able to go and pick up my stuff my belongings uh, because I'm I'm away and I can't go back to the UK now. They told me that they can do two things for me: either store my my belongings in a like a storage place or ship them to Kuwait. Um, so I asked them to ship them to Kuwait for me, and they said that they're going to do that in September. Now, this is this was all on the phone. We agreed to that on the phone. Um, September the 1st, my contract ended, and the very next day in the morning, I called them, and I asked them about my stuff, and they were like, 
uh, I'm sorry, removal companies came by and destroyed them. And I was like, Jesus. destroyed them? Like, what do you mean? My contract ended yesterday and, and it was still morning. Um, so I, I tried to threaten them. I tried to tell them that I'm going to contact the embassy and I'm, I'm contacting a, a solicitor and whatsoever. But they were, they were just like, um, we can't take the blame. Uh, now, a couple of days later, I called them and I said, you know, I had very valuable stuff in my apartment. And they were like, oh, okay, we kept your laptop. We didn't throw that away. Oh. And yeah, they, so they didn't even mention it um, in the beginning. So I asked my friend to go pick it up. It was, it's just crazy. It's, it's really, it gets me angry every time I think about this. Because like they kept their laptop. They didn't tell me about this. And, and how do you even decide like what's valuable to me and, and what's not valuable to me? I had stuff in my such apartment. A, such a violence of privacy. It's, exactly. It's and, and you know what? I, I did contact a solicitor and a, a couple of ones actually who were qualified in the UK. And all of them told me that They basically need like a court order in order to be able to kick me out of the apartment. And that's usually mm. um, after they give me a notice and, and a six-month chance, a six-month period before they're able to do that. And they did that the very next day um, after my contract. And so it was definitely illegal. I, I did try to do something, um, but it's too much work and it just like takes a lot of time and effort. So I needed, I really needed a break because every time I think about it, like I said, I get angry. Uh, but I mean, I'll try to do something about it. Honestly, I don't know if I can, there's much that I can do. Um, but I will try and, and we'll see how it goes. To go through your stuff, to take, grab everything you own. And like, it's just horrible. It's, yeah. Yeah. Can't imagine. I'm, I'm very sorry for you. It sounds so <laughs> oh, thank bad. Thank you. I'm good. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, if I imagine that that happened to me, like I have much more stuff than you had, obviously, because I lived in the house now for many years, but it's my stuff. It's like, exactly. that's my pictures and my letters and my memories. And it's probably mostly worthless crap for everybody else. But for me, it's like the world. Of course. I also had gifts from when I graduated from high school, which were very valuable to me. So that was, you know, upsetting. Ah, yeah, it's all gone. But uh, talking about food. <laughs> Here comes the exciting part. <laughs> <laughs> you're both foodies. It's allowed to talk about food. Well, Mara and I, we, we send each other pictures sometimes about the good food we're eating. And uh, you always win because you, you have a housekeeper and she just makes amazing food. And you go out for dinner and you have this amazing plate served. And I will never forgive you for the pictures of the amazing barbecue you guys had. And I couldn't taste it. And I was just so jealous. <laughs> But as every guest, I asked you to, to bring me a recipe for for the blog. And um, I will I will put the recipe on uh, learnfromastrange.com. And I asked you to pick something that means something to you. What did you pick? So I picked vine leaves, which I think you've had before. Uh, and they're basically stuffed vine leaves. And, and they can be served either cold or hot. Um, they are sweet and sour, stuffed with rice and I don't know what they're stuffed with, honestly. Uh, rice and, and probably grounded beef or something. Uh, but they taste amazing. They really do. And I you can make them sweet. Yeah, I yeah. never had that. The, I actually like them sweet better than um, uh, sour. I mean, it, it is in both cases sour, but uh, you can you can have it sweet and sour, which is really delicious. Okay, you have to give me 
both recipes for sweet and sour <laughs> wine leaves are going to put up. I actually do have, I grow wine in my greenhouse. So I have really nice wine leaves every year and they start really early really? in season because they're in a greenhouse. Yeah, I do. Didn't I send, I think I sent pictures from the amazing, this year we had like 30 kilos of wine um, in, in autumn. It was amazing. It's a three-year-old wine, uh, wine plants. So I do have wine leaves and access to wine leaves and I, I'm totally up for filling them and stuffing them and making stuff out of it. The try, I tried before and it works just fine. It's, I, I totally nailed the rolling technique, how to get the wine into the leaf. Oh, everyone says that this so, is the most difficult part. Yeah, it took me a while, but in the end I nailed it with a few. <laughs> of course I'm bragging here because most of them look like shit, but... <laughs> But uh, no, I think actually, because it's not so different from like a burek. Burek is uh, kind of the same technique for rolling, I found. Like they're, they're, they're rolled and then very often you fry them in, in either oil or you bake them in a baking oven with some, some mm -hmm. oil on top. And you can serve them warm, which is delicious. Or you can just, you know, um, uh, eat them cold. And I actually like to dip them in like a tzatziki sauce or something like that. But... I'm not sure if that's done in the other places in the world. It's just, I did that. <laughs> I made well, it up as, myself. As I'm long as you enjoy it, we all have our weird food combos that we really love. Yeah, it's really good. I think actually, if uh, if I find my recipe for Börek, I will uh, actually probably put it on learnfromastranger.com and you can get it from there. <laughs> I'll check that out. Right next to your wine leaf recipes. And if you don't have any, Mara, don't worry. Your housekeeper or your mother probably has oh the my best God. ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke we're making because, like, uh, as all 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 the listeners now figured, Mara is really smart. She speaks tons of languages, and she's a super helpful, nice person, and basically lives in this castle. So everybody <laughs> in our friends group, uh, yeah, well, well, everybody in our friends group, we're not the privileged. So <laughs> we are like a lot of them are like Americans or English people that speak basically one language. I only speak two languages. Well, you speak like every Arab dialect and give people education in it. Well, I have, I, I know a few Arabic dialects um, and I can understand most of them, uh, but it, it's still the same language. I still so. find it impressive because people told me like uh, uh, Sarah Reed, which you also know mm -hmm. from, from our yeah. group, she she's from Morocco and she, she said that the Arabic world does not really understand the Moroccan dialect. Oh my God. But you could yeah. talk to her in Arabic. Yeah, I could uh, because so we can understand Moroccans, but not all of them. Uh, if they slow down and and try to speak in a, I mean, if they try to slow down when they're speaking, we can understand them because they do speak Arabic um, at the end. But they have a very strong accent, and and they are also their language. Um, I mean, their dialect is influenced by French and Spanish. Um, so they use a lot of words that are not Arabic. That's why sometimes we find it difficult to understand them. Uh, but yeah, her accent, I can understand. Her dialect is fine. Oh, amazing. Uh, but back to the story. <laughs> As you are, you grew up very privileged. I think you, you see that by now. And, uh, and, we always, and you have a very nice way of talking and you have a very thoughtful you're a very thoughtful person you're a super nice person thank you so and you, you were like the, by way the youngest person <laughs> <laughs> you're also by way by far the youngest person in our group you all are very grown people like even i'm one of the more the younger people there and i'm 35 that says something you're like our disney princess of the group so we always joke <laughs> disney about princess. mara getting Getting dressed by birds in the morning. Oh my god, I remember that. Rabbits <laughs> coming to put a blanket over you. 
<laughs> and then, it has got a running joke. Like every every time we, you come up in a in a conversation, we talk about the birds and the rabbits, and then camels, and, and then <laughs> camels serving internet. <laughs> yeah, robot camels following you. <laughs> Other countries have self driving cars, but Mera has a, a, a robot camel pulling <laughs> pulling the slide in the sand. That's funny. <laughs> But it would be cool to have robot camels running around and, you know, instead of the drones that uh, other people use, they just use uh, actual camels delivering that's packages. Actually, that's actually creative. I, I didn't think about it this way. Robot camels with cameras around tied up to them. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be fun, though. Because I think camels are also better in finding the way. Like, the biggest problem with the self-driving cars that I can think of, I'm I'm no expert at all on this, so so I leave that to the engineers. But I cannot imagine. I like here Norway is dirt everywhere from like October to more or less May, maybe with a few weeks of of snow and frost where it's not that wet. But it's basically wet nine months a year, and every time I drive the car, it gets so dirty and filthy, muddy. So. Yeah. Yeah, very muddy. It's, it's, it's actually really, really bad. So all the cameras I have and the systems, they basically don't work. Like the parking sensors or the, the backing up camera. I actually have to go every time I go in the car, I have to clean it. Or when I go out and just go mm-hmm. with the finger over it because otherwise I won't see anything. Or I just have to drive myself without help, <laughs> which is an option. And I cannot imagine how they can make self-driving cars with covered with mud. It just, I, I don't see how it would work. And it's covered in mud in just a few minutes, even on the highway. It's it's wet, it's dirty, it's snowy, it's salty. So, yeah. And I think you have, like, an opposite problem in Kuwait. It's, like, everywhere sand, right? So the second a bit of wind comes, it's sand. Yeah, actually, uh, just yesterday, we had a lot of dust uh, in the morning, but it calmed down at night. Uh, I even had plans with my friend, and uh, they were cancelled because... Because they were outdoor plans we couldn't make because of the dust. It's actually something fun that nobody ever believes me that doesn't live in the same area I grew up in. Austria is far away from Africa. But once in a while, like every year, every other year or so, we have Sahara sandstorms. That come from the actual Sahara all the way to Austria, which is really far. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I didn't know that. Sometimes you, you just when when they come it's not like it's a it's not like a sandstorm like when you stand in the Sahara it's not it's not like that it's but you see that it gets it gets very dusty it's very very fine sand and you have it everywhere like it's it's this really really thin sand layer that it leaves you with almost like uh, when the flowers are blooming in spring and everything is yellow from the bloom what is that in English actually this this yellow stuff that's left over from flowers. It almost mm-hmm. looks a little, little like that. It's just a different time of the year because it's usually in summer. And then everything is covered with a super thin layer of Sahara sand, which is really amazing when you think of it because it's so far away. I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that you even get dust in back in Austria. That's crazy. To me, Austria is, is just like gray and rainy, just like the UK. That's what I, how I picture Austria in my head. What? No, no, never, no. Of course we have sometimes, like, if you're, like, where I grew up, it's actually not on top of a hill, it's on the bottom or, like, in between hills-ish, and next to a river, so we have a lot of fog mm-hmm. in uh, spring and autumn. I would love to visit one day. I really would love to go to Austria one day. I, I thought you have been in Austria. No, it was Germany, wasn't it? München? Yeah, Germany. I- I've been to Germany, but I've never been to Austria. 
how do you guys celebrate Christmas? So what is there a celebration in, in your community now in December? Um, so Kuwait is a Muslim country and Muslims don't really celebrate Christmas, uh, but we do have a relatively large population of Christians. Around 13% of the population uh, are Christians. And I myself, I went to a school that was ruled by Catholic nuns. So I was exposed to the um, Christian community in Kuwait. Um, and I did celebrate Christmas a couple of times. But normally people wouldn't. There are some people who do, like some Muslims who do. But it's mainly Christians who celebrate Christmas in Kuwait. And you can always find Christmas stuff in, in the stores during Christmas time. Uh, they're everywhere, so pretty easy to buy like a Christmas tree or Christmas gifts or whatsoever. Oh, that's nice. Is it like vacation now too in, in Kuwait or is, is school just continuing? No, school is still continuing, but they do get, I think, two days off starting from January the 1st uh, because it's New Year's. So they get some time off in New Year's, but they don't get time off uh, for Christmas. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you have like off for Ramadan and other celebration days, so it, it makes sense. We don't get time off school in, in Ramadan now anymore, uh, because Ramadan is, is going to be in April. But we do have some time off in, in Muslim celebrations. In my case, when I was in school, I had, I had time off uh, during Christmas celebrations and Muslim celebrations, because uh, a lot of the students were Christians, and of course it was ruled by Catholic nuns. So... I had some time off in Easter and Christmas and Eid. So yeah, I, I was definitely enjoying the vacations. <laughs> I actually did not know that about you. It's, it's fun that you went to a Catholic school. Why actually? Why did you why did you go to Catholic school? Me being in that school wasn't weird. Um and also my cousin went to the same school and I think that's that might have been one of the reasons why I want to go to that school I want to be in the same school as my cousin so uh th there is no particular reason honestly it's not weird like you grew up in a really open country and it makes a lot of sense and like for, for me it's totally normal most people I know somehow had catholic catholic uh, education I I personally had it myself in school but um we didn't have that many nuns though it was not a catholic catholic school it's just in in Austria you actually have um religion or ethical education uh, from from beginning on it's like just one or two hours a week is part of of uh, of your normal school day so it's similar in kuwait um if you're muslim then you have to take uh, islamic religion classes and quran classes if you're not muslim then you have the option between choosing to take these classes or not that's if your school follows the standardized educational system uh which my school did so even though me being Muslim in a school that was ruled by a Catholic nun, uh, by Catholic nuns, uh, I was still, I still had the opportunity to take Islamic religion classes, which I thought was awesome. And we even had some people, some Christians, uh, Christian students, uh, who were with me in, in the same class, because they chose to uh, take these classes. And I always thought that this is amazing, to be like in a community where Christians, Muslims, and everyone are just like, in the same class, uh, educate, educating themselves about religion, even if they don't really believe in it. I thought that was uh, definitely a privilege. Yeah, you get so much uh, wider range of, of knowledge and you widen your opinions, don't you? That's true. It's, uh, it sounds great. I really, I really uh, want to visit Kuwait a lot. The thing is, you always warn me. Every time I say I want to visit that, it sounds also amazing. You're like, 
You've got to be bored after three days. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Robot camel braces. <laughs> <laughs> That's not boring. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't even know they existed, honestly. Uh, but Kuwait is very small. So you can go pretty much everywhere everywhere in Kuwait within two days. <laughs> so then you're going to be like, um, what next? <laughs> well, I, re- I researched and... You do have amazing buildings in Kuwait yeah, City and the area, and the the bay is amazing. And you're building a bridge now from uh, yes. Kuwait City to Iraq. No, uh, not Iraq. It's so we have a place in Kuwait uh, that's basically just like empty space, a desert. And they're planning that in the future they want to turn all of that desert into like a big city. So what they're doing is that they're building a bridge to that basically connects Kuwait City to that place where they're going to build the new city. Um, but yeah, I'm really hoping they're taking forever and I'm really hoping I get to see it before I die. <laughs> well, I also saw like everybody saw this islands they make in, uh, I think it was Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? Where they make this like really huge city, but, like where they put up sand and make islands in the ocean and, and make this really modern city. Oh, uh, like... Um artificial uh, island yeah but i saw that the kuwait is planning to do something like it but the, the problem with those artificial islands is that they dig up the sand from the ocean ground and they destroy every life yeah there. they have that in dubai at dubai it was yeah right yeah very beautiful honestly yeah i'm, I'm sure it's beautiful but yeah for 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 the environmental reasons it, it really yeah, is, is, is a bad thing to do um, and I saw that Kuwait tries to solve that the opposite way. So what they try to do is they want to make just as beautiful islands and ocean-like feeling and like this this really amazing island forms. But instead of making them in the ocean, they want to dig them in the sand and bring the ocean inside and the countryside in. So they dig first the holes basically and then open up to the ocean so it fills the and then and creates the islands, which I found a really interesting way of doing it. So they want to do it the other way around. Yeah, they want to do it the other way around. And I just saw it in a YouTube video. I'm not sure if they started there or if they just planned it. See, I didn't know. I'm not even sure if they started that. I just saw it in a YouTube video and I was like, this is a cool idea. I like that. It's, uh, it makes the sand a beach. Instead of desert, you suddenly have a beach, which is really cool. <laughs> so I hope it. I hope I get to see that. Again, you taught me something mm. new. Yeah, as I said, I I didn't look into it, so I'm not like more than that. I just saw the idea and I thought like this is really smart, and and I saw some of the of the videos where they flew drones over Kuwait, especially Kuwait City, mm-hmm. and it's an amazing city. It looks yeah, it looks just beautiful. I have a friend who does that. It records videos of Kuwait City, and she is very talented. I I might send you some videos um, that she took. Oh yeah, that would be lovely. I would like to see that. Maybe maybe uh, we can share one on uh, on the homepage as well. Learn learn from a stranger dot com yeah, so our definitely. audience can see too. I have one one question before before I let you go here, and that's I heard rumors that it's so hot in Kuwait in summer that if you take an egg on on the road that it actually fries. Is that true? Yeah, that's not a rumor, um, and it's because. When it gets over 50 degrees Celsius, it gets up to like 57, 58 degrees Celsius in Kuwait. And um, if you're on the street, the street is actually hotter than the air. So the street's temperature 
can reach up to like 65, 70 degrees Celsius. You can't w walk barefoot. If you do that, you're going to burn your, your feet. Um, so I think you can fry an egg if you like put it on the ground. That's crazy. If it gets up to like 70 degrees Celsius on the ground, um, then I think you can fry an egg. You never tried? No, but you're making me curious to try that. When it's summer, I'm going <laughs> to definitely go ahead and try that and maybe record it for you. <laughs> yeah, I would totally try to fry everything. Just see like what, what, what works and what doesn't. <laughs> Even let a glass of, or a cup, a cup of water stand long enough outside in the sun on a black surface. Will it get tea? Will it like get so warm that it's almost <laughs> tea warm? Or... <laughs> and how long do I have to wait? <laughs> Can I cook with nothing? <laughs> Just... Completely useless experiment. <laughs> how? how? That's not useless before you use a stove inside. Like it's environmental friendly. <laughs> I don't think that's healthy. Cooking an egg using the sunlight heat. I don't think you can eat that. Well, probably not on asphalt, but maybe if you take something in between, like a black steel board or something like that, that would be that would be great. If I find if I find the camel horse riding robot pictures, <laughs> and anybody of the audience has ideas what Mara should fry in summer, I gotta post it on Instagram on Learn from a Stranger account and. Just leave us some comments. I wanna, I wanna know what people wanna fry. Yeah, please it's, do. Uh... <laughs> Don't go too crazy, please. <laughs> and tomorrow you totally have to fry them and <laughs> and see what works. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great having you as a guest, Mara. Thank was, you so uh, much. It was very fun talking to you. I had so much fun. Actually, we had a we had a, a party together. I think it was actually my first party in in virtual reality ever. Uh, I just got a headset new, and I think you've been pretty new to it yourself. It was just when you moved to to England. Yeah, that was my eighteenth birthday. It was your eighteenth birthday, and I felt so sorry for you being gone from family. And I know, right? <laughs> it was before I knew that everybody, anyway, celebrated with you, and you got like a million phone calls that day, and I didn't know. That. <laughs> I felt so sorry for you, so I stayed up until one because it's a time difference. And I tried to find songs from the year where you're born, and then we made a birthday party in in virtual reality. And people came together and sang "Happy Birthday to You," and then we listened to songs from your birth year. It was actually really fun. It was that was really sweet. I actually have it recorded on my headset. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. I hope not the singing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun too. Definitely. So um, thank you. Thank you for being my guest. And thank you so much. Telling us about, about your life. So I wish you I wish you a very nice, uh, a nice evening. I'm going to put on all the recipes we talked about. And if I find them, the robot camels and all the other stuff we talked about on learnfromastranger.com. Just go and check it out there. And remember that every good friend was once a stranger.